Let us pause for a word of prayer as we look into God's word together. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you, praise you, adore you. And I pray tonight as we look into your word, I pray, Father, that it won't be my words, but it be your words. Father, I have nothing to say. You have everything to say. And Father, I pray this evening that we would just allow your word to challenge us, allow us not to just be hearers, but we'd be doers of your word. And we just thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. As we know, in the Bahamas, we have a saying called itis, where you eat a lot of food, and then people say you have the itis. And I think that this is something very, something that happened at Christmas time, where we get Christmas itis. Because we get so much, we already, Christmas is over, the gifts have been open, some we love, some we don't really care about, the Christmas decorations need to be put away, the Christmas tree needs to be taken down or thrown away, but let's not forget as Bahamians we know it's something else that's coming in January, that. And it's all settling in and we just get into this time and we just think, well, you know, we don't want to do anything. In fact, a lot of places in the Bahamas close from Monday into the new year because they know nothing's going to get done because they know people are just going to be stuck in a rut and they're going to just be ate a lot of turkey and ham and, you know, that's it. They don't want to have nothing else to do. They don't want anything to do with work. What do we do with all the things we have to do? But there's one thing that remains and that is Jesus is still Lord. He is still King and he is still sovereign. So we can find the same peace and hope that we celebrate during the Christmas season. He is still the same person that left everything in heaven to come to this earth to save us from our sins. The question tonight is what do we do when the parties are over, the gifts are open, and the Savior is still there? You see, we have to understand that even though Christmas is over, Christ is still there. Too many times we get so excited about Christmas and we get so excited about the hope and joy of Christmas, when Christmas is over... We look at the bills we have to pay. We look at the things that are, we have to do, and we just forget about Christ. Matthew West, a, a popular Christian singer, and I just came across this song today. He has a song called The Day After Christmas. And this is what, how it goes. Here comes the letdown. Christmas is over. Here comes the meltdown. These goes the cheer. But before we have the breakdown, let us remember the light of the world is still here. Happy day after Christmas and merry rest of the year. Even when Christmas time is over, the light of the world is still here, the light of the world. Come January, I'm ready for summer. The Super Bowl's over and I'll settle for spring. Sometimes we all need a change in the weather, but it won't change the reason we sing. Happy day after Christmas and merry rest of the year. Even when the Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. The light of the world is still here. You see, no matter how we look at life and how we think of Christmas, even though we pack up everything, Christ is still here. What do we do with that? Well, if we remember, and as we looked at, as Anthony already read, we have these wise men, the Magi that came, and they were looking for something. They were looking for the king, even though the event was already over, even though the shepherds had already went and praised, and they saw the, the baby. And this is where a lot of us and our misconceptions come because of cantatas, and nativity scenes. Because a lot of times we have these wise men at the nativity scene, but guess what? They never came there. They came in the house in Egypt. We always have these three wise men that we sang about. 
you know what? We don't know. There could have been three. It could have been more, but we know they had three gifts. But as we know about the wise men, as I did some research, it probably was a lot more wise men. Because as I read and saw, the Magi traveled in big groups. They didn't go in small groups. As we see the Magi, we have to understand these people because these men were not normal people. As we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at their journey, their journey of faith, their journey of worship, and their journey of change. The Magi were people that left everything behind, their families, their wealth, everything they left behind to go find the star, to go find the king. But it's also something we have to remember too, is that this king was not the king of the Gentiles at the time. He was the king of the Jews. And they were still looking for this king. They were looking for the king, not just to say, oh yeah, we've seen the king. But as we will see, they came looking for the king with a purpose. Who were the Magi? They were professors and philosophers of their day. They were brilliant and highly educated scholars who were trained in medicine and history, religion, prophecy, astronomy. They were also trained in what we call astrology. In our day, astrology has gotten a bad rap. But in the beginning, astrology was connected with man's search for God. The ancients studied the skies in order to find the answer to the great question of life. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? You see, there's a difference between astronomy and astrology. Astronomy is a science of the study of the stars. Astrology is a brief, a belief that there is connection between the position of the stars and human destiny. The Magi were experts in both astronomy and astrology and claimed to be able to divine the future. Again, as we look at, and I, I challenge you, if you, you open your Bibles, as we look at Matthew chapter 2, and we will see again that these Magi were men that we can still learn from today. And I know we have this whole, you know, we have the cliche saying, wise men still seeking Jesus. But it's still true today because we still need to continue to seek him because he still is here for us. As it starts in Matthew 2, verses 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came from Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, and by no means least of the rulers of Judah, for from you you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and asserted them from the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it was to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We see our first point tonight. Wise men go on a journey of faith. And we see this by verses 1 to 6. You see, the wise men were going on their pure faith. Because we can see that they were not 100% sure where exactly the star was. They did not know exactly where they were going. As they had to stop the Herod to see exactly 
where is this king? As we also see, the star actually moved. So here it is, they left everything behind. They left their family, they left their wealth, they left everything behind to go seek the star. To seek the star of Christmas, but also to seek a literal star, as we think. They had faith, as they would see the king of the Jews. Again, people probably thought that these men were crazy. And today, sometimes, we face the same persecution. When people say, how can you believe in someone that you cannot see? And our response is always the same. We just have faith. We must recognize that whenever we follow Christ, it is always due to our faith. As Hebrews 11:6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, that He rewards those who seek Him. You see, we must remember that even though the festivities are over, the Savior is still there. And we must seek after Him. We know it is only because of our faith that we can do anything to please Him. You see, it's only because of our faith in Christ that we would try to do anything. We have to understand that just as these wise men, we need to continue to have that same faith, strong faith. How do we have strong faith? We need to continue to study His Word. We need to continue to want to just learn more about Him. So what happens to us when Christmas Christmasitis sets in? When Christmas Christmasitis says, and remember that your faith in the Savior still exists and is the most important thing that you have in this life. Our second point is, the wise men go on a journey of worship. In verse 7, it starts, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it rests over the place where he, the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child, Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They had opened in their treasure. They offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We know from the end of the story, we know that Harry wasn't telling the truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. He wanted them to come back to him and tell him where he was so that he could go and kill him. We see again how their faith continues to play a major role in verse 10. As they see the star, they rejoice with great joy. They continued in their travel looking for the star. You see, they saw the star. They saw everything. And they said, you know what? This is the king that we need to see. This is the man we need to come to worship. And you have to understand that they did not just go without a purpose. They did not just say, you know what? Let's just go out for a little stroll tonight. Let's go travel. Let's go and, and this will just... Just go for a ride across many towns and areas. No, they went with a purpose, a purpose to worship. The same purpose that me and you should always have as we go about our life, we should always be an attitude of worship. Worship doesn't just stop at Christmas time. Worship doesn't just stop when we come into these four walls or just start when we come in these four walls and as we go out, it stops. No, worship is something that we're supposed to do all the time. Worship is an attitude that we should have wherever we go. You know, I don't know how many of you um, went into any of the malls, anything, do some Christmas shopping, and you know sometimes it gets so stressful, and sometimes the people are so nice to you during that time, but if you go back on the 27th or so to change something, it's a whole different attitude. Um, yesterday, um, you know, one, my, my daughter's birthday is this week, so we still have to go and do some little birthday things here and there. We went to Kelly's, 
And I went into Kelly's, and I'm going to tell you, when I went in that store, I thought they must have been having a big, gigantic sale because all the toys were in the middle of the aisle. So I asked the lady, I said, so are you all having a big sale? She said, no, that's just the rubble left from Christmas Eve. I mean, toys are everywhere. And you know, it's very hard sometimes with things like that because, like I said, our world just gets turned upside down during Christmas. We get so, we get so um, caught up in all the activities, all the cantatas, all the Christmas shopping, all the everything we have to do, but we forget the Savior. We forget to stop and worship the King. You see, these wise men understood that, look, maybe the event is over, maybe the birth is over, but we want to find that King. And we don't want to just find the King just to say we've seen Him. No, we want to come and worship the King. You know, a song that just came to my mind is that Sandy Patty's Come, Let Us Worship the King. I won't sing it because if I sing it, you'll be in trouble. But that's what they wanted to do. Their whole purpose was to come and worship the king. As we see in verse 11, they had one thing on their mind. They wanted to bow down and worship. They wanted to bow down. We also know they were carrying gifts. And you know, when you think of a party, when you think of any type of party, a Christmas party, a birthday party, it almost always involves gifts. I think the wise men said, you know, we can take some some gifts to celebrate. You need some gifts to, to give. It was no different. They wanted to give gifts to the king. William MacDonald speaks to these gifts in this way. The treasure they bought spoke volumes. Gold is a symbol of deity and glory. It speaks of his shining perfection, his divine person. Frankincense is an ointment of perfume. It suggests the fragrance of the life of the sinless perfection. Myrrh is a bitter herb. It, it talks about the sufferings he would endure in the, in the sins of the world. You see, they bring the gifts by the Gentiles in reminiscent of the language in Isaiah 60, verse 6. It says, Isaiah predicted that the Gentiles would come to the Messiah with gifts. But, mention, but it only mentions his, the gold and frankincense. You see, the wise men had a purpose. They wanted to worship. They wanted to bring gifts. Worship always involves sacrifice for us. Did the wise men sacrifice anything to follow Jesus? Yes, it did. And it still causes us stuff today as we go about life. You see, when we come to worship, we have to understand that we have to separate from ourselves. In our own will, in our own minds, in our own, we can worship God. We have to prepare ourselves to worship. There's no way that we can do it on our own. It's only a gift from God that he allows us to worship him. None of us can do it on our own. None of us in this life, as Romans 3 tells us, none of us desire, want anything to do with God. It's only the work that God's done in us that we would want to worship him. So when we sometimes think that we have it all together, and we think that we are high and mighty. We're not. None of us are. That's why he deserves all of our worship, all of our sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, the greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice that you can give God is yourself. You say, but I have nothing to give to him. And I say, yes, you do. A lot of people say they don't have anything to give because the first thing that comes to anyone's mind when you talk about giving is money. Well, I don't have a lot of money. Don't you know VAT's coming? I really don't have money to give. But you know what? You have yourself to give. You have yourself to give. You have everything to give. Again, like I said, it costs sacrifice. A lot of people say, I don't have enough time. 
for the things of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you have time for your favorite TV program? Do you have time for three hours of football today, or maybe six hours? And some of you probably are still wondering who's winning which game because you want to know who made the playoffs. You see, we have enough time for anything we want to in life. But when it comes to God, a lot of times, we don't want to sacrifice the t our time. What about money? A lot of people say, again, I don't have a lot of money. But we must understand that God, gives, God uses whatever we can give to Him to bring glory and honor to Him. Who forget the widow that gave her one mite to give to the Lord as her gift was looked so much greater than the rich because she gave everything that she had. She gave so much. You see, too many times we look at the figures and we think, what can I give? But we have to understand, you know what? The most important thing that God wants is us. He wants us to give ourselves. He wants us to sacrifice ourselves to Him. Because He can mold us into the child that He wants. But we must be willing to surrender our lives to Him. He cannot use us if we want to hold things back. You see, too many times we say, you know what, God, I want to give you this part of my life, but you can't have this. You see, God wants all of us. He wants every single part. He wants all of us when we worship. And that's when He can do great things in us. When we say, you know what, God, here am I. I want to worship you. I want to adore you. I want to give you everything that I am. Then He can use us. But too many times, we want to hold back. You see, when Christmas Ida sells in, we must understand that we have a Savior that deserves our worship. And when He is more than just a thought during a season. But He deserves your praise and adoration all of your days, as the psalmist tells us. You see, the psalmist tells us that we must always be ready to worship Him. We should always want to desire His Word. And let me just say, I'm going to be transparent. Do I always desire it? No. I get caught up in the same things that everyone else does. But that's where we need to make sacrifices. Which brings us to the last point. Wise men go on a journey of change. Verse 12 said, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. After the wise men had encountered the king, their whole life had changed. They had seen the king. Now they had been told in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go back to their own country. You see, too many times in our lives, and we see all through Scripture, when we have a true encounter with God, life is going to change. Just like the wise men. Their whole course of life changed. They weren't going back to Herod. They were going back. They were going back just as we see in the story of the shepherds. We see when the shepherds saw the king, the babe in the manger, they couldn't help themselves but to say, you know what, I got to go tell everyone about it. I got to tell people about Christ. You know, let me ask you a question. Has your life changed? Has your life changed ever? Or are you the same person that you were a year ago? Are you any different now? You know, we are coming upon New Year's. We're coming on to making New Year's resolutions. And, you know, let's just be honest, no one keeps them, um, except some people. Very little people keep them. But, 
you know, we need to not make resolutions to God. We need to make sacrifices to Him. We need to make things not just a resolution, but we need to understand that, you know what? God, here am I. I want to make changes in my life. Because that's what God does to us. God said, when we have a relationship with God and we are pursuing Him and we are reading His Word and we are studying God's Word, change will happen. But it only happens if we allow Him to work in and through us. It only allows us, it only happens if we sacrifice, if we want to worship. You see, when you encounter God, you will never be the same. And as we think of when Christmas Ida settles in, remember that because now that you have a relationship with the king, your life can never be the same. And I would challenge you, and I know that, you know, in a crowd like this, in a Sunday evening, these are the faithful people. But you know what? There may be someone in this room that's never really experienced Christ, who never had a relationship with Christ, who's never really experienced Christmas. Because you can't experience Christmas if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You could have the gifts. You could have the parties. You could have all the things that you think Christmas is about. But you could still be missing the whole thing because you need Jesus Christ in order to really experience Christmas. This is what happened when we walk into the presence of God. We become changed. And this is what happened to the wise men when they accounted Christ. They were changed. This is what happened when we accounted Christ. Things become different. Again, it's Christmas time. And we hear the story of the wise men. They were wise because they had faith. They were wise because they worshiped. And they were wise because they changed forever. All because of a child. How about you? Are you looking for change in your life? Well, find Christ. And I can guarantee you, and this is a no money back guarantee, but I can guarantee you that you will be changed. Because things will be different when you step out in faith and seek Him as the wise men did. So again, I challenge you tonight. If you never experience a relationship with Jesus Christ, feel free to talk to me or one of the other elders so that we can show you from God's Word exactly how you know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you as we go throughout these last couple days of 2014, and look at 2015, and, and let's not just focus, because I know that a lot of our minds are on what's going to happen in 2015. But let us leave it to the Lord. Let us pray to Him, and let us find joy in Him, um, because I know that there's going to be a lot of people stressed out from January the 1st. And it's because we're looking in the wrong places sometimes, instead of looking at the King. And I know that there are a lot of things that have to be done. Don't get me wrong. But we need to have faith in Jesus Christ and know that He will work everything out for His glory and His honor as Calvary Bible Church goes on in 2015, Lord willing. Let us stand and as we close our time in prayer. Father, again, we just thank You for how much You love us again, that You would send Your Son into this earth to die for us, so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we know that you didn't send your son into the world as a babe for no purpose. But you sent your son to die on the cross as the savior of this world. So that we could have life. And life abundantly. And that we could have life change. Father, I pray that we, as your children, would be changed. 
that we would be different in this world, that we would be people of faith, people of worship, and people of change. And Father, as we go into this new year, Father, that we would just remember to put you in the forefront of all our plans, anything that we need or any concerns, we would seek you as we would be like the wise men and seek the king and know that he is, if we encounter him, an agent of change. And we just thank you and we praise you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.